This episode of the Supply Chain Brain Podcast is supported by Winolo, an on-demand staffing platform defining and supporting the future of work. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company and what it offers to customers. But now, on to the podcast. How did the gig economy survive the pandemic, and how is it evolving today? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The gig economy was in full swing well before COVID-19 came along. It continues to thrive in the post-pandemic era, but it's also continuing to evolve in response to the changing labor market. So what does it mean to be a gig worker today? Has that model of employment fulfilled its promise in delivering flexibility and freedom to workers while providing a reliable supplemental labor pool for employers? On this episode, we'll catch up with major trends in the gig world, with the help of two experts from Winolo, Vice President of Demand Robert Merritt and Chief Strategy Officer Monica Plaza. We'll learn what the word gig actually means and how that definition is changing. And we'll get a glimpse into the future of work and what's needed on the technology side to support gig workers and the companies that hire them. Here's my conversation with Robert Merritt and Monica Plaza. Robert Merritt, welcome to the show. Hi, Bob. Thanks for having us today. And Monica Plaza, welcome as well. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Monica, let me start with you. Let's take a look at the past uh, in the so-called post-COVID era. I certainly hope we're in the post-COVID era, but for purposes of this discussion, let's say that we are. Help me to kind of recap and discuss the changing labor market dynamics in this era. What are some of the big elements there that typify this time in the wake of the pandemic? Absolutely. And and yes, I hope we are in the post-pandemic era. It's obviously been a unique few years for the U.S. economy, to say the least, for both its businesses and its workforce. Businesses of every size and industry across country, as we've seen, have had to adjust and readjust to shifting labor dynamics caused by the pandemic and the effects that have lasted for a number of years. As we all know, throughout the pandemic, thousands upon thousands of businesses closed, some temporarily, some permanently. And at the height of the pandemic, more than 30 million U.S. workers were unemployed. So since then, luckily, we've seen that job openings have steadily increased and millions of jobs have been added back into the economy. But interestingly, in parallel, Americans have actually not been returning to the workforce at nearly the same pace. Some stats that I looked up, according to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, there are nearly 2 million fewer Americans participating in the labor force today compared to February 2020, before the pandemic. So Mm -hmm. we're obviously dealing with this for businesses big and small and really facing some labor challenges. And there's really not one single reason for this. We've all heard many of the different reasons, including commonly cited factors like health and and child care obligations, particularly because many child care providers did close over the pandemic. But we're also seeing things like pay expectations that aren't being met by current wage trends any longer and a renewed focus on upskilling and career moves. Plus, a lot of Americans have 
saved a bunch of money from unemployment benefits or stimulus checks, although we've also seen that some of that effect has been dampened by uh, inflation recently. So for those who have returned to the workforce, the perspective from the pandemic combined with the rise of remote work has also set a new standard for flexibility, control, choice, et cetera. So lots has happened for businesses and for the workforce that everyone's really trying to adjust to. And even before the uh, pandemic, we had these gig platforms arising because gig workers became a big thing in recent years. How has that changed? How have the gig platforms been affected by these trends? What's interesting is that as all of this was going on on the workforce side of things, businesses were also forced to adapt to changes in consumer behavior, which basically means that increases in online shopping and shifts in brand preferences meant that businesses had to react quickly. And so gig platforms that by definition, are those that can react to spikes in demand, have really sort of had a shining moment over the past few years and really Mm -hmm. trying to help businesses adjust to the supply chain needs and the unprecedented shifts in in supply and demand on both sides. As well, there's been, uh, when we look at the reduction in labor force participation and sort of the changing worker preferences, platforms have had to adjust, as well as companies that they support, to the preferences of these workers and think about things like, faster pay, flexibility, and really thinking about the the more fulfilling work environment and priorities for today's worker has really been where the gig platforms have um, both stepped in to meet the needs of businesses and this need for more agile labor strategies, as well as the need for workers who have, frankly, shifting priorities since the pandemic. Well, Robert, uh, bring me into the present day with regard to gig platforms and how they're working to prepare businesses for current production delays and staffing. What what is the situation there, the dynamic right now? Platforms are are shaping workforce dynamics pretty dramatically, and I think that those changes have a large impact on supply chain businesses. I think in general, when we look at this term gig platforms, usually what that means is either staffing platforms or, or talent platforms. Those are the two most, I would say, recognized and and utilized globally at this stage. And what these organizations are are doing is they're really marrying technology and processes together. And those technologies and processes are are things like two-sided digital labor marketplaces, rating systems, algorithmic recruiting, management, and matching. And then that's combined with some traditional staffing processes and sometimes staffing pricing models. But ultimately, the the purpose of these platforms is really to do three things. I think the first is to optimize the matching of the most relevant workers to a given job. Two, uh, really leverage automation and and digital efficiencies to be able to deploy that talent faster. And then lastly is, is really deliver talent with higher fill rates, with a better experience, and then ultimately with as, as little human intervention as possible. And so a lot of the things that you would typically find within a traditional staffing model are being replicated in a digital type of interface and experience. Everything from the sourcing and matching, background checks, drug screening, vetting, assessments, onboarding, so on and so forth, that's now being brought into a digital experience. And the so what who cares about all of that is is that ultimately these services now being enabled through technology are adding a tremendous amount of efficiencies to both talent as well as customers who are obviously looking for talent to place into jobs. They're expanding the relevant talent pool as well as job pool for both customers and workers and ultimately providing some relief to skill shortages for customers. And then they're obviously creating economic opportunity for underserved communities, population, and geographies. 
I would say most of these platforms are really designed to reduce the friction that's involved in finding talent and work. And, and as a result, there's a, there's a better experience both for the worker and for the hiring manager. Lastly, as it pertains to supply chain businesses, the impact that it's ultimately making is, is one, it is bringing in efficiency, bringing in improved economics and pricing. You have happier and more productive hiring managers because they can find the talent that they need. They can meet uh, their production demands. They can meet the demands of their customers, in other words. These types of models also have the ability to consolidate a lot of supplier bases and begin to make supplier bases more efficient. And then I would say lastly, in some cases, what we've seen is, is that these platforms can act as a mechanism that hedges wage inflation that we're seeing in the marketplace today. And so there's a lot of tangible as well as intangible benefits that we're seeing presently within supply chain businesses. It seems like workplaces today are in greater degree of flux than ever before, constantly changing, staffing up, staffing down, dealing with peak seasons, dealing with worker absences, dealing with not enough workers at all. Would you argue then the gig platforms are in a good position to deal with that kind of day-to-day changeability and, and flux? Absolutely. I think you bring up a really strong point. I mean, the workplace dynamic is not just really about worker preferences. Also, you reference some of them, the need for leave, the need for sick pay or for sick days, time off, rapidly changing schedules, massive spikes in demand. But also one of the things that I, I know for sure that larger companies are experiencing right now is, is that their hiring managers are wanting to engage with talent in different ways and in different structures and models than what they ever have Historically, I was on a call just a, about two or three weeks ago with a large Fortune 500 organization, and I was talking to a head of procurement. And he said, globally, we used to just hire people full-time or we'd work with staffing firms and we'd hire contingent labor. Now we have freelancers all over the world. Some of them are working with us directly. Sometimes we're using talent platforms. We're trying things like direct sourcing models. We're still doing our traditional methods. So there's a, a whole multitude of different ways in which organizations are looking to engage talent in order to meet the dynamic of the talent landscape. And, and I think that talent marketplaces or talent platforms really have the ability to provide a, a tremendous amount of agility to not only be able to meet the more planned and ongoing needs that an organization has, but also to meet needs that are somewhat unpredictable or unexpected. And I think that that's one of the real benefits of being able to integrate these types of platforms into your talent infrastructure that you have within an organization. And yet the vetting of workers can be no less rigorous than it ever was before. You go through the same extensive hiring processes, but a lot of that is just short-term positions. And so a lot of effort for not much payoff. So I'm hoping and guessing that this technology would help address that as well. I think that what we have seen over time is, is that there might be a perception that quality of talent through staffing or, or talent platforms maybe isn't as high because there is not this kind of human intervention in the process doing a lot of that vetting and doing a lot of that assessment. But I think the, the reality is, and the data shows, that a lot of that human inter intervention is where the flaw and where the error occurs. And by leveraging technology, we're actually able to automate tremendous amount of that vetting process and do it almost in real time so that ultimately the, the customer gets high-quality talent when they want, where they want. And the worker also does not have to go through this incredibly laborious experience to be able to be vetted and ultimately qualified to do a job. And so the technology is doing doing things that for, for many years humans have been doing, but doing it at a much greater scale and, and obviously a massive amount of speed and efficiency. 
Okay, that's the current state. But Robert, take me into the future. Let's look ahead in this crystal ball and, and tell me a little bit about how you might expect gig platforms to continue to evolve. I mean, they seem to be doing the job now. How might they change? How might they improve? And how might they address the future of work? a good question. The first thing that I see happening in the industry over time is that if you look around right now and you start doing some research, you'll start to see that the talent platform space has become just as fragmented as the staffing and the recruiting industry, whether it's from a geo or from a function perspective or from a skill set perspective. You know, there is a tremendous amount of options that are in the marketplace today. And so I do think there will be some consolidation that occurs and that consolidation will create less fragmentation and hopefully make for an easier customer and worker experience to be able to operate within. I think that along with that consolidation, you will see larger platforms continue to emerge that are more multi-categorical. Um, and what that term means is you'll, you'll have one platform that's able to service, uh, again, different geographies, different industries, different functions, as well as different job types, all from within a single interface and experience. And that, again, will, will continue to provide a tremendous amount of efficiency and ease for organizations to be able to find talent in the marketplace, a multitude and diversity of different jobs. The other thing that we'll see continue to happen in, in the future is that the talent and staffing platforms, because the gig platforms, as we've referenced, will continue to incorporate additional services into the overall technology itself so that they're able to facilitate and fulfill a larger spectrum of different work models or engagement types. So for example, you'll see staffing platforms that are, are integrating employer of record services into the technology so that they ultimately can handle the statutory employment taxes, workers' compensation that a traditional staffing firm would be able to facilitate very manually. All of that will be automated from within the experience so that you can hire a 1099 worker, but you can also put someone in a W-2 position and be able to work with that worker in an extremely compliant way. And so you know, these are all changes that are, are happening in real time, probably not too far into the distant future. And, mm -hmm. and that's not even looking at things like AI. I think AI also has a tremendous amount of potential from within this space. And the use cases for AI go into areas such as more sophisticated job matching, chatbots, video interviewing interfaces, tools for being able to draft job descriptions and job advertisements, and then also be able to automate a lot of the customer support and customer interaction that has typically been been handled through kind of a human touch and human experience up to this point. So I think it's a it's a really, really exciting and dynamic landscape in the in the years ahead. As long as we don't see AI itself as the gig gig worker of the future, <laughs> it would be fine. That's right. Monica, That's I, right. I want to ask you, because Monica's strategy is your job. And that of course means right. being able to look into the future, make certain assumptions about the future so that you can plan accordingly. What assumptions do you have about the future of gig work itself? Do you think it's here to stay at the level it is now? Because looking back, I mean, a lot of the great claims were made about the wonders of gig work. Some of those have paid off and some of them haven't. Some gig workers have drawn back and realized that it's not quite the thing for them. And also it's the same with employers. What's your assumption about the future of gig work and how that might, af might affect the need for gig platforms? Uh, absolutely. And I, I honestly think it comes down to what is a gig? I think historically we've sort of coined the term to mean quick one day, one ride, one delivery, whatever that may be. And while there is a, a time and a place and a use case for that on both the worker and the business side, I think that taking back the word and, and recognizing that what it truly means is control and flexibility in how you work and how you 
brings people on to work at your business. And I do believe that is very much here to stay in terms of how do we think differently about building agility and choice on both sides of the, of that dynamic? How do we make it easier for workers to work when and how they want and get the job done? How do we make it easier for businesses to flex up and flex down based on the the supply and demand dynamics that they are seeing? And that is where I think this type of flexible work is the future. And that the term gig, which in the limited scope we've put on it, is just part of the story. So we've absolutely mm-hmm. seen not through the pandemic, through the changes on both sides of this dynamic, that this kind of choice and flexibility and agility in how we work and how we live and how we hire is absolutely the future. And we're going to see a lot of this evolve over the next few years. And as Robert mentioned, even when it comes to staffing platforms that have historically been in more of a gig space, we're seeing that diversification as well because this need is there. Maybe we got to come up with a new word. I don't know what that would be, but yeah. <laughs> interesting if, if we did. Robert, do you agree? You think the uh, you think the gig is here to oh, stay? Yeah, completely. And I think if we're looking for maybe a new term to coin here, I mean, I think Monica used one word specifically that hit the nail on the head. I, to me, I think we're almost like moving into a choice economy as opposed to like a gig economy. And these platforms offer a tremendous amount of flexibility and choice for both sides of the marketplace. The employers get a tremendous amount of diversity in talent and geography and in skill that really combat a lot of the headwinds that they face from a skills perspective. And then from a worker perspective, it provides you with that choice to be able to work when you want, how you want, for whom you want, for how much you want. I think that that choice is a very powerful thing. And so it's, it's definitely here to stay, but I think it will continue to evolve and won't necessarily probably have the same definition as it did at its infancy. Monica, tell me a little bit about Winolo and its position in the marketplace based on what we've been talking about here and uh, what its role in providing this type of platform and service to employers and employees alike. Absolutely. So as we've discussed over the past few minutes, the realities of the post-pandemic economy and sort of the evolving workplace dynamic have provided businesses and workers with an opportunity to really rethink how work works. So that's really where Winolo comes in. So Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. And what Winolo does is enable businesses to find quality workers for basically any kind of need, whether it's on-demand, seasonal, short-term, long-term work, et cetera, and do so in over 100 markets throughout the U.S., including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York, Seattle, so on and so forth. What we see ourselves as doing is, is really supporting the future of work that we just discussed, facilitating more flexible and agile working formats for both the supply chain side of things as well as the workers filling the need. With flexible workers, no platform fees, businesses basically can match with reliable, ready-to-work workers quickly and without the overhead of that typically comes with this kind of scale-up and scale-down mentality. So resume reviews, interviews, inefficient HR cycles, et cetera, which are not just time-consuming, but as Robert mentioned earlier, not always actually providing the, the quality that we believe it is. Basically, with Winolo, when reliability meets flexibility, we see that businesses are able to overcome the unforecasted growth or the fluctuations that we discussed that, that came through the pandemic and really just will continue as things refine by helping folks right-size their workforce easily and efficiently. And Robert, could you talk a little bit about how Winolo customers have successfully integrated a gig platform to solve these challenges we talked about? If we look at our customer base today, 
You know, we have organizations that are leveraging our platform at scale within many different industries, transportation, warehousing, logistics, consumer products, food and beverage, as well as even business services. And I think what the best organizations that are, are using our platform are doing is, is that, one, they're being very thoughtful about how they're integrating Winolo into a larger labor conversation and being thoughtful about how they are looking at their roles, looking at the demand that they will have within their business, looking at seasonality and leveraging Winolo's strengths to be able to provide talent that meets the ebbs and flows within their business. And I, I think that what we're finding is, is that organizations are able to use our platform for a variety of different use cases, everything from last minute and short duration the seasonal work to ongoing work that ultimately actually even converts into temp to perm, so full, ultimately full-time hires at the end of the day. And I think organizations that are, that are using Winolo successfully are, are seeing that there's a massive amount of scale there. We uh, are filling over 30,000 jobs a month, which is pretty unbelievable. You can get extremely high-quality talent through the tool. Well, I just want to say how much I appreciate both of you helping to fill me in on the past, present, and future of work, its relationship to gig platforms, as well as telling me something about Winolo itself. Robert Merritt, Monica Plaza, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, thank you so much, That was my conversation with Robert Merritt and Monica Plaza of Winolo, talking about the gig economy and the future of work. We thank Winolo for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplytainbrain.com where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read our Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. Also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well, and see you next time.